Welcome to Leading Simple with Rusty George. Our goal is to make following Jesus and leading others a bit more simple. Here's your host, Rusty George. Hey, welcome to Leading Simple. I'm your host, Rusty George, where we try to help making following Jesus and leading people a bit more simple, as difficult as it can be at times. And today, this is a special bonus episode with a very special guest. Today is the day we remember the life and the legacy of the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And today we are honored to have his niece, Dr. Alveda King, on our program. I'm anxious to talk to her about her uncle, about her father, and about her leadership in a world that continues to deal with racism and challenges and just the continuing legacy of the civil rights movement that Dr. Martin Luther King was so instrumental in. I'm so honored to have you with us. Every week on this podcast, we try to make following Jesus and leading people a bit more simple, and we'd love to have you join us. You can subscribe to the podcast, and you can also uh, follow us through PastorRustyGeorge.com. Sign up for the newsletter, and we'll send this to you every week along with a blog as well. Well, today we're going to jump into our conversation with Dr. Alveda King. Thank you for joining us. Well, Dr. King, thank you so much for joining us. It uh, is an honor to be with you. You have done so much for so many people, being a civil rights activist, being a representative in the state of Georgia, uh, an author, a speaker, a musician, uh, and you're probably most well known for your uncle, uh, Dr. Martin Luther King, uh, but also your father, A.D. King, was a great uh, activist and pastor as well. Uh, tell us a little bit about your family and just kind of your life in public service. Pastor George, thank you. And it's so wonderful we met several months or years ago even. However, it's good to reconnect with you yes. and to say hello and to you and your congregation and all the communities that you represent. And uh, I would like to answer that question in this manner. I call living my life in the King family legacy experience. And so that means along with my very famous uncle, Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., that's my grandfather, Dr. Martin Luther King Sr., my daddy, Reverend Alfred Daniel Williams King, the men and women of our family. We have had a strong Christian legacy in the earth. And that's just been remarkable and a blessing for us. I had no idea when I was born on January 22nd, 1951, that I would become a Christian evangelist in the 21st century. And so all of those experiences growing up in the King family have led me to this place, Pastor. Well, I want to ask you about a couple of particular quotes. Uh, this is the time of year we start seeing a lot of uh, your uncle's quotes come up on television and podcasts and YouTube, uh, replays of some of his more famous speeches. Uh, tell me just some of your thoughts and maybe even some of your favorites, uh, if I don't read some of them, but one that I often uh, hear and often say is injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. How do you see that ringing true still today? I have heard that message throughout my lifetime. I was 
17 years old when my uncle was assassinated. And so I had the opportunity to hear many of his sermons and his speeches. And as a result, injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere, has very special meaning, meaning in every community that impacts us, not just here in America, but around the world. And so we can think about the issue of skin color, for example. And people fight over skin color and they call it racism. When Acts 17, 26 says of one blood, God created all people. So to mistreat or misuse a person because of skin color is certainly unjust. Mm -hmm. So that's an example of injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. Racism is certainly one of those threats. Also, people from the womb to the tomb or conception until natural death. We are human beings, one race, Acts 17, 26, one blood. So to mistreat people in the womb or the old or the sick or the elderly, that's just not justice. We mm -hmm. notice in the Bible that righteousness and justice occur in the same sentence, same paragraph, most of the time. So you can't have genuine justice without the righteousness of God. So injustice anywhere, no matter what the circumstance or the situation happens to be, is a threat to justice everywhere. I love that. I mean, I love that as it was, but your clarification makes it even better. Uh, talk to me about this statement here. Take the first step in faith. You don't have to see the whole staircase. Just take the first step. I love that one from Dr. King. We walk by faith and not by sight. And so my uncle's teaching on faith. When we walk by things that we can see and re respond to things in our lives that we can see, we are not able to respond in faith. Because when we have faith in God, we depend on things that we cannot see. And we depend on the promises of God. So in order for faith to work, and in modern day terms here in 2021, I say to young people, put one foot in front of the other. Take the first step. And on many of the memes where you see that quote from my uncle, you see a staircase. <laughs> and so we're climbing and we're moving forward. We walk by faith and not by sight. I recently heard you speak about one of his quotes that often gets, I wouldn't say misrepresented, but it isn't shared in its totality. And I'd love to hear you fill in the gaps for us on that. And it's the phrase, rioting is the language of the unheard or protesting is the language of the unheard. But you, you kind of explain there's more to it than just that. Would you educate us on that? My uncle, Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. never advocated violence. He explained that people will become violent if you don't hear people and if you don't treat people fairly. So he never advocated violence. He was a nonviolent man. And I said, for example, the young man, Colin Kaepernick, for example, took a knee in protest. And I said, well, he's got his message, but he doesn't have the method. Because when he took that knee, he should have been praying to God. Help us, Lord. Direct us and guide us. I saw my daddy, Reverend A.D. King, take the knee. My uncle, Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., take the knee. As a young woman uh, in the civil rights movement in the 1960s, I came from being a preteen to a teen to a married woman in the 1960s. And there were many times that I had to pray on my knees as well. And so my uncle advocated prayer. 
and God's guidance and direction. And in our King family legacy, that is what I was taught. So Martin Luther King Jr. did not advocate violence. There are so many great leadership qualities about uh, your uncle, but tell me a few that maybe we don't know about or some memories you still have that kind of help understand uh, him for who he was. My uncle, Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., we call him Uncle ML, and his brother, my daddy, Alfred Daniel Williams King, Reverend King, also AD, so AD and ML. They were young men when they were killed. Martin Luther King Jr. was 39, and then several months later, my dad was killed when he was 39 years old. So they were young men, young husbands, young fathers, young pastors and preachers. And they were very playful. They enjoyed telling jokes and they enjoyed shooting pool, believe it or not, and those types of things. So I think it's very important to remember that Martin Luther King Jr. was a human being. He was not perfect, he was prophetic. And he had prophetic dreams and prophetic messages, but he was not perfect, yet he never advocated sin. That's something that people need to know and understand as well. And so I absolutely believe that when people try to idolize Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., for example, and to put him on a pedestal, so to speak, and Dr. King said, and what did Dr. King think? And, and that's why I wrote that song, Let Freedom Ring, in 1974. And with the message of Let Freedom Ring, here we are saying, thank God that King had a dream. Thank God. Don't worship the man. Don't worship the sinful man that had to walk with Jesus and begin to have Christ formed in him mm. to give us some of the beautiful messages the young man who is a college student even challenged the theology of his own daddy mm. until in a knock at midnight, Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. heard the voice of Jesus say, stand up for truth, stand up for justice, and lo, I'll never leave you. So he came from a young man who had many philosophies and thoughts to a man who trusted God until he got to the top of the mountaintop, Martin Luther King Jr., was with God on the top of the mountaintop. We have to remember that. Mm. I heard recently that in his most famous speech where he says, I have a dream, that was a little bit off the cuff. Is that right? It wasn't in the notes, but somebody in the background said, tell him about the dream, Martin. And he just kind of began going for it right there. Well, now, Pastor, you've experienced this yourself, and as a Christian evangelist, I do still today. I will write a message and be ready for it and think it's the greatest message I've ever heard. And then God will give me an unction from the Holy Spirit and say, that's beautiful. C congratulations. You wrote that well. Now, that's not what I want you to say. <laughs> so with Martin Luther King Jr., the same thing. It wasn't so much off the cuff because he had had a dream and he had been talking about that dream. But he worked on his speech and he went from place to place and he stopped at different places, even in his hotel room in Washington, D.C. the night before working on it. And he ended up, I think it was Mahalia Jackson. I think that's what history is saying, that she, he called her for inspiration. She was a beautiful Christian singer and sang such beautiful hymns and messages. And while they were talking, she says, the dream, Martin, tell him about the dream. 
And so that's how that began to take place. So it's amazing how God will do that to us when we uh, give over to God. That's what I call it. Give over to God. Well, I, I love that. And I, I, uh, I'm just amazed at the way that that came about and clearly words from the Holy Spirit. T- tell me about this. You suffered so much loss at such a young age in losing your uncle and then your father and all of the difficulties you faced how did you not give in to racial hatred and anger and bitterness? How have you been able to move beyond that to the life of joy that you have at this time? I learned valuable lessons of love and forgiveness from my dad, A.D. King, my granddaddy, Martin Luther King Sr., my uncle, Martin Luther King Jr., the men and women of our family in every generation. And we were taught to love and forgive um, I think that's over in Mark 11, have faith in God. And it goes on and and says we can move mountains with the faith of mustard seed. But when we pray, forgive so that our heavenly father can forgive us. And so I had to learn that practically when my uncle ML was shot in 1968. My dad was on his way uh, with Uncle Retta, Uncle ML's widow. And uh, they were going to go and get the body and all of that. But dad had to console us at home. My daddy had to console us because we were in shock and we were hurt and all of that. And I was angry. I was a young militant. And as a young militant, I had to hate somebody. So Mm -hmm. I decided that black power, that black power movement and all that, I was going to hate white people. Mm. So I remember, daddy, I hate white people. I hate white people. White people killed Uncle ML. My daddy rocked his arms around me, wrapped his arms around me, began to rock me. Alvita, we can't hate white people. White people march with us. White people pray with us. White Mm. people go to jail with us. White people die with us. White people didn't kill my brother. White people didn't kill your uncle. The devil did. Mm. You're going to have to forgive. My granddaddy would teach about forgiveness. Uncle Emil would teach about love and forgiveness, turning the other cheek and all that. And I wanted to ask, well, when you run out of cheeks, what do you do? (laughs) (laughs) I was young. (laughs) And so not only there. So daddy said that when Uncle Emil died. And then daddy was killed. About 18 months or so later, he had walked me down the aisle. I was a young bride at age 19, age 18. I married. And then dad was killed a week later. No water in his lungs found in the swimming pool. And granddaddy said, they've taken away my sons. And he was broken, but he still talked about loving and forgiving and thanking God for what we have left. Then my grandmother was shot in 1974, I guess it was, 73, 74. And she was shot and granddaddy went to the prison And said to the man that had shot his wife, son, you've taken away the most precious thing on earth to me and I forgive you. Mm. So I'm listening and watching them and hearing that. It did take many years. I became more radical. I became pro-choice supporting abortion. I had two secret abortions and a miscarriage because my body was damaged by the abortions. All of that happened. Divorce. In 1974. And my grandfather, Daddy King, talked me into not aborting another child. 
He had told my mother in 1950 not to abort me, but I didn't find that out to the 20th century. But he saved me from abortion by a prophetic dream where he says he had seen me in a dream three years before I was born that he described me to my mother and she kept me. Isn't that amazing? Mm. So he saved me from making another abortion decision in the mid 70s. And then I became born again in 1983. And I confessed all my sins. I began to forgive all the grudges, all the hurt, all the pain. And so today I have the joy of the Lord. And that is my strength. Because I've learned to forgive so that God can forgive me. I've learned to love so that I could receive more of God's love and grace. And there's a popular scripture to me. And I sent it out to people on memes and blogs. And I said, it says, don't make fun of your enemies when they stumble. Or God will get mad with you and forgive them. Ask Jonah about that. Jonah, God says to Jonah, Pastor, he says, go over to Nineveh and tell them, tell the king, stop sitting, stop doing what he's doing because I'm going to destroy them. And basically by his actions, Jonah said, I'm not doing that because you'll forgive them. They don't need to be forgiven. Mm, <laughs> you see? That's right. So we have to love, we have to forgive and let the love of God, the love of Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit be formed in us. Then we no longer have our mind and our selfish ambitions and strife, but we have the mind of Christ. And I saw that in the men and women of the generations before me in the King family legacy. You have been an advocate for pro-life now and tell much of your story in doing that, has it been difficult for you to forgive yourself for decisions from the past? And how have you begun to help people in finding forgiveness for abortions or for poor choices in their past or ones that haunt them still today? Prior to 1983, I was very proud, prideful, very arrogant, did not want to accept truth or things from others and all of that. In 1983, when Christ began to be formed in me, I began to be able to forgive myself. I confessed to God those abortions. I went to a healing ministry, Rachel's Vineyard, through Priest for Life here in the 21st century and had even deeper healing for the abortions. So it has been a process like peeling an onion for me peeling a banana, you know, looking at how layers come off bit by bit over a period of many, many years for me. Mm. So it was not always easy for me to forgive myself or to accept that God had forgiven me. Mm. Why in the world would God want to forgive me with all the wicked things I had done? And then I had to realize I'm not God. I don't have the mind of God. I don't understand it. So here's God. I hate sin. And if you sin, I'm going to destroy you. I'm going to do all of this. And yet he sends his son, Jesus Christ, to redeem sinners. It doesn't even make sense, does it, Pastor? No, not at all. But it's true. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Well, as uh, our nation continues to try to take steps forward to healing, to coming out of the ashes of 2020, and to finding common ground. What is your prayer for our nation during this time? My prayer, and I've had to resist uh, giving way to fears and what I could see with my natural eyes, 
And I've had to practice every day, sometimes every moment and second. Even in my dreams, I'm having to struggle to walk by faith and not by sight. Hmm. Because things that I can see are not pleasant at all. And yet the promises of God are sure. So I pray that those who are able in the name of Jesus will continue to stand in that gap that God searched in the book of Ezekiel. I pray that more and more voices will rise out of the book of Isaiah and say, here I am, Lord, send me. I pray for the Ezra's and the Esther's and the Nehemiah's who will stand on that wall and won't leave it. I pray for the spirit of Daniel, for instance, and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, of Joshua. Even though he slayed me, I'm going to put my trust in him. So I pray that there will be many of us who will understand. I believe, Lord, help my unbelief and that our faith will grow during these tumultuous times. I plead the blood of Jesus. I pray for Psalms 103, that's the blessings of God. Psalms 91, the protection of God. Psalms 23, the leadership of God. I pray that we will learn to trust in the Lord with all our heart and not lean to our own understanding. I pray, Lord, that we will love you enough that we won't even fear people. We won't fear man, but that we will trust you that the bitterness and the fear, the piety and the self-righteousness, all that will fall away and that we'll be before you like little humble children as you lead us and guide us in the name of Jesus, by the power of your Holy Spirit in the days ahead. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much. Thank you for all your work, for your legacy for keeping your uncle and your father's legacy alive, the king legacy, and more importantly, advancing the kingdom of God for uh, God's kingdom uh, to be done down here as up there. So thank you so much. Thank you. God bless you. Well, I was so blessed by my time with her. She's done so much good in the world and made such a huge impact. I encourage you to check out more of her resources, and I hope you enjoy Uh, what it is that she might have challenged you to think about or next steps you might be ready to take. As always, subscribe to the podcast and you'll get fresh episodes every time they come out every Wednesday and once in a while a bonus episode like you got today. And you'll also get more information about upcoming events and books and blogs and all those kind of things. So subscribe to the newsletter at pastorrustygeorge.com and subscribe to the podcast wherever you receive your podcast. We will see you this next Wednesday. Thanks so much. Take a moment and subscribe to the podcast so you'll get it delivered every week. And subscribe to the Rusty George YouTube channel for more devotionals, messages, and fun videos. Thank you for listening to Leading Simple.